You will fail. So what? Everybody does. But your gym, your watch, your yoga pants, they pretend you won't. So when you miss a day, eat the pancakes. Give up on a workout? You failed? Seriously, what the hell? We're body. We've been a part of that too, but not anymore. At body, we're rejecting perfection and embracing reality. Not in a pizza Monday kind of way, in a loving your whole life kind of way. In a, this workout is fun and it's okay if I take a week off kind of way. In an, I'm eating healthy and it's okay if I indulge kind of way. In a, I like myself no matter what kind of way. Yeah, you will fail. We all will. But we're not going to let that be the end. You see that? We're already making progress. So let's keep going. We are body. Start your free trial at body.com. That's B-O-D-I dot com. Hi, I'm Vanessa, and I'm Afro-Latina, biracial, and I'm proud to be black. Hi, I'm Abby, and I am white. I'm a background of Irish, Polish, and Scottish. And I'm Moni. I am. I identify as a black woman, and um, nationalities include Native American, Ethiopian, um, Guyanian, um, Caribbean, a lot of different black backgrounds, and just Southern Black American. Yes. I'm also Dominican to throw that in there. So let's, yes. just, let's just cover it all, everyone. Let's just pull up our 23andMe and just cover it all. But we are so excited. We are here with Mani from Mixing with Mani. And we are going to have an open conversation about Black Lives Matter and just kind of mention it all, everyone. Thank you, Mani, so much for joining us and taking the time to talk to us about this. Thank you for having me. I think it's a really important conversation and I'm excited to dive in. Yeah. How, I mean, first question, first things first, I feel like we can't truly dive in without just kind of checking in with you and how you've been doing the past two weeks since um, everything's been reignited. Um, I think I, I definitely have good days and I have bad days. There are days where, you know, um, I'll get in my car and we'll be driving. And I mean, I naturally check my rearview mirror anytime I slightly move the speed limit. I'm naturally just cognizant of the police being you know, able to follow me in that natural fear. But then it's especially heightened because I'm near the nation's capital and I hear, you know, fireworks and well, really not fireworks going on every night. And it does feel like I am living in some kind of, you know, perilous time. Um, and then on top of that, just emotionally, I've been, you know, more emotional than usual. It's very weird. This cycle has hit me very differently than uh, some past cycles of, you know, Black Lives Matter hashtags and reignitings and things like this. It happens every couple of months to years. But somehow this one has been very um, daunting. I think honestly because of the pandemic and we just have very little other things to focus on other than what slapped us in the face. So it feels more real and it feels like I've had to grieve and I don't even know this person. So I'm just trying to normalize that, regulate those feelings and put them into some kind of action. Yeah. I, you know, thinking about it, cause you know, Portia talked about this last night on watch what happens live. Um, and she was saying, you know, we're all, we're all in quarantine. We're just sitting, all we have to do right now is be on our phones and watch TV and the other thing too, I think it's just that video was so 
I mean, horrific and terrible to watch. And there was no questioning like, oh, you know, maybe he did something before, or, you know, we don't know the full story because, and, and not trying to say other ones were not terrible. They were, but we didn't ever see a video that was this long that just so clearly showed that he was murdered. I mean, there's no other way to say it. And I think there's no question in people's mind. There was no room room for gray on this one. It was very clear what happened. And I think that's why a lot of people, it's just, it's hit you so much harder. And, and then you're learning there's so many other stories very similar to his that we've never heard about mm-hmm. because we're, there's no footage. So we haven't seen it. And how many more are swept under the rug? It's just, I think it for everyone, regardless of race, it, that it just hits you really hard. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And I even, you know, I've come from a background of family who is both educators and lawyers. That's pretty much everything, only two options I ever had going up to be. And as someone who has worked extensively in law enforcement and in the legal field, I constantly question when people are like, well, what did so-and-so do? And I always respond, what does that matter? We have a legal system put into play. So what it says to me is that we are now somehow not even worth the paperwork, not even worth the tax dollars of putting them through this system where we are going to just handle it. Judge, jury, court, and God on the street when you could easily arrest, book, charge, put them through this lovely legal system that we already know have needs changed. But if it's in place, why is it not being used? What makes this person's life not even worth fighting for in a courtroom if that is what we have in place? For people who we consider to be Americans and we value their human life, in my opinion. Absolutely. I couldn't have, you couldn't have said it better. Um, can you kind of walk through, and I thought it was really powerful. If any of you are following Moni, she's shared a lot of wonderful things to her Instagram stories, but one of them being just your story as a Black woman in America and all these different instances that you've had where you've experienced racism. And I just think it'd be valuable for our listeners to hear just your experience, one, your experience as a Black woman in America, and two, when did you first experience racism? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. I am, I was moved by, you know, what Kamal on Watch What Happens Live with Portia said, that you don't really know, especially as a Black person, that you're experiencing racism until it's explained to you because it happens so early. And for me, you know, there was the day that everyone was muted and I was like, well, for one, I don't need to be muted. I, I speak, you know, I, I'm constantly struggling the political battlefield of should I mention this or should I not every day? So I'm like, if people are going to listen, I will happily tell what my experience was. And I was just going to go by, these are some of the passive comments that I've received in my life from people that, you know, they didn't think they were racist and I didn't know it was racist. And to be honest, they start as young as being a child. Like I'm only 24 and I think I had up to, I don't know, 30 or 40 different stories that were up that day. So they go through my entire life. They include things of, you know, my best friend in fourth grade, in fifth grade, she was in fourth grade. She was a white girl. We had a little clip and she had a birthday party and legitimately her mother told my mother after I was disinvited from the sleepover portion of her birthday party, because they were to go to the daytime party, but when it came to sleeping over at her house, her mother called my mom from the inside of a closet and admitted to her that she was, you know, hidden away while the girls were playing. And 
um, that she didn't know if I was sick that day because I had sneezed and I had allergies. My mom told her that. And my mom was like, oh, no, she's fine. She doesn't have the flu or anything. And she was like, well, I just feel like I can't handle both of them. And it was me and another Black girl named Victoria who, um, who were at the party. And her husband even apologized to my dad days later and legitimately said, I'm sorry, my wife was a cold-hearted bitch. Like, he knew what was the problem. And so it was as simple as that. And my teacher in the fifth grade, you know, questioning when I got my very first little designer coach bag and I was so thrilled. And it's literally looked like it's made for a 10-year-old. It's not a big deal at all. And other girls in my class, I lived in Dallas at the time, they had Louis Vuittons, they had Chanel bags, they had lots of nice things, but mine was inspected. It was asked where I got it. It was asked who bought it for me, who could get it for me, um, things like that. But when my same teacher got a pair of coat shoes from another student for Teacher Appreciation Day, none of those questions were asked at all. And it was things like that. It was simple sabotage of my mom being the homeroom mom of the school and the money being held from her. And she had to go out of her own pocket to throw the pizza party for my entire classroom. It was things like that. So it's little things like, you know, my manager just being, asking me if I will follow the other black girls in the store because she's quote unquote, sorry, but they just steal more. When my own neighbor who I knew very well was stealing from the store every time she came in when she was skipping school, who was not a black girl. So it's, you know, little things like that that I didn't even know were being put into play, but they're so regularly practiced and they're so passive that people do not consider them to be aggressive, but they do largely contribute to the systemic racist problems that we see in America that govern us day to day and that also then normalize things to a point where we are desensitized from seeing human life not be valued in front of us. I fully empathize with everything that you said. I personally have experienced more microaggressions throughout my life, but it you hit the nail on the head. You don't know you're experiencing racism until it happens to you. And for me being biracial, mixed, whatever, <laughs> however you want right. to describe me, it's, you don't notice, especially as a child, that you're different until someone tells you you're different. Right. I, um, I mean, I'm lucky that the worst things said to me typically are like, what are you? Who are you? That's the most, that's like the number one question any mixed person gets, which mm -hmm. is F FYI lis listeners, if you're curious about someone's ethnicity, don't approach them that way. Yeah, it's already um, insensitive. Yeah, it's really insensitive, but I fully empath empathize with you and it's just heartbreaking that you that that behavior throughout your life has become normalized and you've kind of probably I'm sure internalized it like it's no it's nothing new it's nothing abnormal it's your everyday life right, right. and I consider myself very lucky I mean my, my mom has had to she is darker than me and um, has the most flawless beautiful skin I've ever seen and so I used to always think that they would do, they would just be jealous of her but she would constantly get asked whose child I was if she was the nanny she'd been called the inward me when we were on the streets just wanting to get our hair done and what is considered a regularly uh, gentrified area in Baltimore you know just minding our business things like that and I consider myself lucky too I mean there's definitely a passability complex in America so depending on your complexion depends on the kind of you know attitude you're going to get but the point is both co covert racism microaggressions overt racism it's all wrong that's kind of like the bottom line 
And I think the scary part is, I mean, I don't say people don't know, but they just haven't educated themselves on saying things like going up mm-hmm. to someone and be like, what are you? And if someone's like, oh, you yeah. can't say that, but, oh, I'm just curious about someone's background. I'm like, well, there's better ways to word it, but why are you curious? Why does it like, are you curious? Yeah. Cause you, you want to learn more about a person and be like, I'm so intrigued. You talked about as a child, like, you know, having a quinceanera or something, or, you know, or, tell me more about your Latin influence that shows consideration, not, Oh, what are you? Cause I don't know when people say that it's almost like, I'm trying to decide how I'm going to judge you. And, yes. and that's, that's where that question's so loaded. Like if I say, Oh, I'm, I'm biracial. Are you going to treat me differently because I'm, I'm half black? Are you going to like, I just, I feel like when people ask that they might not even realize it. And it's like, I think it's what's your intent with it. And what are you going to do with that information? And if, if you can't answer that as in a positive way, you shouldn't be answering the, asking the question to begin with. Mm, that is very true. And I completely empathize with all the biracial and mixed race and multiple race people who are watching this unfold right now, because I cannot imagine going through an identity crisis or just an identity, you know, define definitive moment in my life. I've never had to do that. I've always just known I was black. So having to decide that every day, like how you feel and how you, what you identify with and not too much of this and more of that, but then also watching the country wage war on a part of who you are. It's, it's, I feel very strongly for all people who have, you know, black in them and a portion of black in them. And it's one of the reasons I identify as a black woman and not as an African American, because again, there are Africans who are American and I never want to, you know, align myself with a struggle or an experience that is not mine. And that's just my opinion. Some people, you know, prefer the politically correct response, but I just like to make sure that I am always drawing attention to like, listen, I can fight many causes at one time. The same way I can feel this way about my own race and my, you know, my issues of Black Lives Matter in America, I still feel very strongly about how Dallas was handled on Bravo with Leanne and Carrie and the Mexican comments. And I'm not Mexican, but I don't have to be. This is like right is right and wrong is wrong. But I can fight multiple fights and multiple causes at one time. I'm a woman. We're very good at multitasking. Mani, thank you so much for saying that. Um, I think you nailed the hat in terms of how it feels to be someone who's mixed and biracial. Um, for me personally, adding a layer of the Latin community and being part from my family, being from the Dominican Republic and always being proud of that heritage, but not always celebrating the African ancestry and the African side of it. It's something, mm-hmm. and I want to focus on you today, and I won't spend too much time on it, but the Hispanic community has a lot of colorism issues in general, and it's something that I hope that with this movement that it brings more light to it. Um, but I appreciate you. I appreciate you saying that. And you're right; we can fight multiple fights. <laughs> yeah, we're what? Please, women can do a lot. <laughs> and just I think people in general, like I think I didn't there's been times in the past, like somebody might say, well, why does that offend you? You're not Asian. You're not, you know, Latin. And it's like, okay, well, I'm not a dog, but would I stand up for someone abusing an animal? Yeah. Like, I I mean, it just, it, the logic there, I mean, you can, you can show compassion and you can fight for something, even if it doesn't direct you, it directly impact you because it impacts people you love. It impacts just humans in general. I think that's the one piece of this that I think I haven't understood when some people have said like, I don't, I don't know why so many white people are getting involved right now. Like, well, I don't know why more aren't to be honest. Yeah, I I would agree. And I think, you know, I think we're definitely going to 
get into, you know, the Bravo discussion, but I always say, you know, I don't never understood what makes people feel so uncomfortable to dive into a predominantly black series versus any of the white ones when I it's never a question of for me. Nobody ever asked me if I feel uncomfortable watching OC or New York. Like I black people, especially in this country, we are constantly in white spaces period. We have to search out non-white spaces. And even those spaces constantly become, I don't like to say invaded, but that's essentially what happens. Like It's like we have to constantly maneuver around other individuals that are not our own. However, there are very many times and very many places, like I've had white friends who said they never had a black friend until they got to college or even after college or their sorority was all white. And yes, there are all black sororities, but that was mainly a response to the fact that we couldn't get into the other ones. So if we have to constantly assimilate into spaces and be you know, flexible, it seems to me that if that is the case for some, I believe it should be the case for all. I would like to think most people have diverse friend groups in their life. And if that's not the case, I don't think it should be normalized. I think that in order to be a fully evolved human, you do need to learn from other people, from other backgrounds, from other socioeconomic statuses, from other even sexual orientations, religions, like that is what makes us understand humans better. Because otherwise, I don't know if you know how to human properly. And that's just, you know, me being blunt about it. I, I completely agree with you, Abby. It's like, why aren't more people getting involved? Oh, it's because they're not used to these things. These things are not, do not affect them because they have no integration in their lives. And I think that is a problem, a large part of the problem. In response to that, and th- I mean, not, I guess not in response, but in thinking about that, you know, talking about people are shy to dive into uh, um, Bravo's just to go right into the Bravo piece of it. They're, they're shy to dive into an all black series looking, you know, Potomac and Atlanta. Do you also though, and I, I, Vanessa and I were talking about this before we got uh, started and before we recorded, but I also don't understand why Bravo has made it. I don't want to say it's their stance, but has made it a, a decision as a business that they're going to segregate their cast. I mean, aside from Garcelle on Beverly Hills. Which way too late first. Yeah. I mean, it's like we have all white franchises and all black franchises and that's not America. Like I don't have, it's not like, oh, I have my white circle of friends and my black circle of friends. No, I have a diverse group of friends and it would be nice Mm -hmm. to start seeing that on TV Mm -hmm. more, particularly on reality TV, not scripted (laughs) television. Reality is you are, I would hope you are interacting with people of different racial backgrounds, different religions, socioeconomic, sexual orientation. That is reality. And it would be nice to start seeing it on some of these networks. I completely agree. I think that it feels very much so like Atlanta was a response and to there being so many white franchises. So they decided to go to what is considered like the black Mecca of the United States, <laughs> which is Atlanta. But, um, and I guess, of course, they did have Kim on there at first. And then I think they decided to make it, you know, you know, the problematic piece of it, you know, with Kim being, getting more and more problematic over time. But they didn't punish her. They just removed her. And that's a large part of the problem for me as well is, that if you think that you cannot integrate a cast, maybe the problem is the people that you feel like won't be able to be integrated. Maybe it's not that it needs to be all white. Maybe that's not what the problematic, you know, that level of problematic is not what makes good television. Maybe it's 
if you think that if a black woman is on say OC's cast and that certain people are not going to be able to fight with her without including race, cough, cough, Leanne and Carrie, maybe the problem is that person. Maybe it's not the fact that it shouldn't be integrated. I think that is where the mistake gets made because then you do, yes, of course, I believe we should celebrate the fact that Atlanta is so largely a black mecca of black businesses and judges and lawmakers and things like that. However, it is a response. And the same thing, even with Potomac, which I've often advocated that Potomac is, itself is a city. It has really nothing in it to have its own name uh, other than like just big houses of people from the government. And so that's why so many of them do not live in Potomac. The DMV area in which it is in is very diverse, like very diverse, mainly because of the government being here and there being so many jobs, but really it's DC that was the black city that was always considered chocolate city. And that got, you know, very much so infiltrated because of the jobs and the economy and the government and stuff. And then there was an, there's an entire County in Maryland that is predominantly black. And I mean like by over 90% and it is large. It's 65 cities. It's huge. It's where Candace lives. She lives in PG County, which is where I'm also from. That is also a very Black city. But the goal, it feels like constantly, is that Bravo wants to be like, look, there are also Black women who are rich. And instead of being like, these are just rich people who have rich friends and come from all different backgrounds. But we see it almost never work because a lot of times it feels so token. And I don't like that word, but it's what it feels like. It doesn't feel authentic. It feels like they just like to throw one in and see what happens. And when it doesn't work out, they think that the answer is that we need to put in another white person or put in another black person on Atlanta when it's just, no, maybe we need to reconsider the casting period. I feel like you bring a good point and I'm going to ask you your thoughts on all this, but Faith, Vanderpump Rules, that to me felt like a situation where we added a black, I hate to call anyone on these shows characters, but a black woman on the show. What it, do you feel like that's kind of how that all went down? Yes, I do think that Faith got a very raw deal. I mean, to me, her only sin is that she slept with Jax Taylor and that is a sin of anybody. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't Jack matter. <laughs> but somehow Faith got the punishment and not Kristen, not Stassi, not Brittany, not anybody else who's been on that show. Carmen, Vale, Lorelai, like no one else got the same, uh, you know, judgment day. But yet what, with what we're seeing all like play out with Stassi and Kristen and the whole thing with Faith and them not even being aware that this is the most catastrophic thing you can do to a black person, period. I got goosebumps. I got, I literally felt nauseous when I heard that they did all this to this woman because it's could have essentially ruined her life at the very least. At the very least, she could have had her life ruined and gotten a record that she did not deserve. Um, but the persistence in it, it's like, Clearly, the issue here was not to remove faith. That was not what should have been done. The issue should have been reprimanding Stassi and Kristen and letting them know this is a no-fly zone and maybe firing them or reducing them to Sheena's level of which, you know, of, of a demotion. Or if anything, they should have been on the chopping block. But instead, what we got was Stassi became Bravo's princess. And there's so much proof that she is supposed to be 
the rising, you know, phoenix of the whole thing. When, to be honest, there's been a pattern of problematic behavior with Saucy for a long time. And me and my good friend Raven, who is from Mainly Bravo, we have constantly talked about it on our Instagram and podcast platforms, off air to each other, that there is a history with Saucy, that this was bound to happen, it feels like. It's just it's going to feel very much so like which do they value more the amount of money they put into Stasi or the fact that this girl Faith had such a raw deal when to be honest I would have loved to see her back on the show to explain her side of the story I absolutely would have wanted that as a viewer of reality tv that feels like better drama to me do you think we see I mean do you think we ever see Stasi again on a, on on Bravo I do I sadly I, think we do too. And it like makes me I, sick. Yeah. It, like, it makes re- me sick. Yeah. I don't think that we're going to get the response from Bravo to problematic characters as much as we are, you know, I think it's going to be like with Bravo, you've always got to just take what you get. Like it's really what we tell the kids, you get what you get and you don't get upset. They largely push that down our throats. I think that if they're going to stand up to social injustice on TV and put show on tv with Kamal and put it on the ig live then we're not going to see any change in casting i think it's going to be one or the other mani i want to get your take on this because we got a lot of people kind of messaging us this about stassi abby and i are completely on the same page and like she's problematic and i mean there's so many different examples once you go down a stassi rabbit hole of all the things she has said and she stands by the things she says it's not like she was caught off guard or just misused her words. Like she knew exactly what she was doing when she said it. We've had several people messaging us um, saying, you know, I feel like we're in a culture right now where um, one person makes one mistake and then we all jump on them and we dig up all this information or um, cancel culture has become a big thing, which Abby and I have talked about like levels of that. But I'm just curious about your take when people have responses like that. Um, and it doesn't, I mean, Stasi. I feel like on the, basically, are there differences between Stasi and then like a Max and Brett from Vanderpump Rules in your opinion, or is it all, does it matter? It's all the same. I'm just kind of curious to your thoughts. I think that for me, it's always funny that the line we debate the most is racism. Like that seems to be like a, that's a gray area where in my mind, I firmly believe that justice for one doesn't mean less justice for you or anyone else, which is why I will fight for certain causes that have nothing to do with me because you get someone like uh, Brett and Max. And to me, that's simply a matter of vetting. That was the easiest thing to vet in the entire world. We all could have just literally typed in some words and then boom, it's all there. So that was a matter of vetting. You would think that a casting process does at least that, like bare minimum Twitter. And then, you know, if she then should be able to get back on the show, I don't think so because they weren't even that interesting. And that just seems like you don't give a fuck if they're problematic as long as they're good looking, I guess. I don't know. But when it comes to Saucy, this is not a matter of one mistake cancel culture, which I'm a firm proponent against. I believe people have the capacity to learn, grow, and change. Should they choose to? That's also a very important part. I don't think Stassi has ever made the choice to do any of those things. I think what I saw when Billy Lee was on the show and Billy Lee was so grossly 
offended that Stassi did not understand what Black Lives Matter was and used words such as, why are we talking about it? Like, okay, so what? And her response was, she didn't want Billy to be offended. It was not, I've learned my lesson or I know better now or I understand. And that was just a, 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 a mishaps in judgment and things like that. In fact, other people had to explain for her that she's not a racist. I feel that that is the point. And then you're going to continue to give someone like Saucy a platform. You cannot be and let it be raised on a problematic scale. You cannot be offended or sad when that person then falls from grace. Because how many times does she have to tell us who she is before we believe them? I have not liked Saucy since 2017. And I've been told like many times, well, you know, her fans are very very vocal and they want to know why and they don't like the answer no matter what answer you give them and to be honest this doesn't feel like normal cancer culture to me I think that this is very different um I think that a Max and Brett situation only existed and it was only allowed because of what Saucy has done and that is a very you know new idea to people but they would never feel like their job was in jeopardy if Stassi's job had never been in jeopardy, and it never was. She was allowed to do whatever she wanted and say whatever she wanted. I mean, the, there's pictures of her with the, this new Snapchat thing of her being Nazi chic, like things like that. I'm like, that's not even just against one group. She doesn't even, she doesn't even discriminate on the discrimination scale. She's here for discriminating against lots of people. It's like there are little things like that that you can't be surprised when people decide to escalate on their problematic behavior when they've given us little instances over time but this is how they think and this is how they feel and i don't think that this is any different i just think that saucy is too big of a character on this show to not meet some kind of new fate well i have some breaking news while we're talking really quick before I share that breaking news, I think what you said is a huge point that Brett and Max's behavior was only okay because Stassi's was okay. I, I think that makes a lot of sense and I hope that resonates with people as you're listening. But um, Variety has announced that Vanderpump Rules fire Stassi and Kristen over racist actions. Woo! They've been fired and then Max and Brett will not be returning. And now I feel like Bravo is listening. <laughs> But also, I want them to take it a step further. Lisa Vanderpump knew this was happening. Yes. She has all of these people under her thumb. And it, like, I think that enraged me more. And, like, when you're talking about, like, Max and Brett happened because of Stassi and Kristen. Stassi and Kristen happened because of Lisa Vanderpump. And yeah. what makes me so mad is, like, she is such a woman who's, like, I'm all about uh, the causes. I mean, she wouldn't let a dog, anything bad happen to a dog. And I'm not saying, like, oh, let's... Mm -hmm. Let's not take care of animals. No, like, I mean, there's room in this world for, for, for all plenty of, of it. yeah. But like, she fights so hard for the gay community and she's fighting so hard for, you know, fair treatment of animals. I'm like, why was racism not a bigger thing? And Faith said that mm -hmm. Lisa told her, just do what Nini does, which like, what have people said to Nini that we don't know about? Oh, plenty. Oh, oh, Plenty. And I, I mean, there are so many things that we, especially as Black women in the workplace, are told to literally just put up with. Like, the amount of times my mom has had that conversation with me. My mom is a high-ranking 
executive in the government uh, and, and worked specifically with specialized executives in multiple government agencies. And the amount of things that she has been like, oh, you just have to put up with this. And unfortunately, I feel like this younger generation, especially not of hers, is like, oh, we don't want to. How about no? We're not going to do that. And I feel like that largely has to do with the power of social media because you're so right, Abby. If we are calling Bravo to the carpet, it starts with Lisa Vanderpump. The fish rots from the head. Her name is on the door. So it's like, what did she empower to happen behind closed doors? And it hurt my soul when Faith said on the um, the Red Scars Make the Best Red Flags, I think, podcast with Lily, she said, I had been a dog, Lisa would have cared. And that broke my heart because that's so true. But also, when does that cycle end? Because racism should have definitively been the line. And that seems like, unfortunately, with Bravo, that's the one where it doesn't, it doesn't always seem to be the clearest. But I, I think this is a, at least one positive For sure. step in the right yeah. direction. Thank goodness. This feels long time coming. I think this is it, it sucks that it took all this. It really I, does. Yeah. I think though, Vanessa made a great suggestion and she posted it to our stories and I couldn't agree with it more. Make, make Candy an exec for Bravo. She doesn't need yes. to be a housewife. She, I mean, she, no. she's so successful on her own. She does not that that's the only reason why she does the show, but make her an exec. All the things that she was saying to Justin yesterday, I was like, yes, yes. I want Candy as an exec at Bravo and I want Portia to become a politician because she- Oh yeah, following is, her grandfather's footsteps. Yes. I mean, but like, these are two women that could, are going to do something. Like they- they mean what they say. And when Justin was like, email HR, she was like, too late. I already did that. Like, I mean, she's just, she's not afraid to stand up to Bravo. And that's mm -hmm. the person you need in there to make positive change happen. But I am very happy. They are both fired and they are being held accountable. Yeah. Candy should be at the, at the executive level. I think that you need to have voices in the room that reflect the voices on your screen and the voices of your audience. That seems very, you know, productive to me. I mean, I think DoorDash just did that. I think uh, their CEO, who is a Asian man, was like, instead of just being mad at the news, I've decided to make my company look like the change I want to see in the world before we have a problem. Before there's a race issue and someone's yelling at me about it, we're going to make a coalition. We're going to make sure we're held accountable. We're going to keep Black voices in the courtroom and stuff, so we, uh, the boardroom, so we know what we're doing right and wrong, so we can feel safe to work here. That seems so productive to me. A thousand percent. And it's so simple. Like, yeah, such a simple <laughs> resolution. And if you all didn't watch the Amplifier Voices with Justin Sylvester interviewing it, we really wish Bravo would put it on TV, but it is on their Instagram lives. Please click on that. But Candy had no problems calling out the network, which was very <laughs> refreshing to see considering yes. they were all watching. But it's such, I love the points that she was making in terms of trying to make change, small changes within your own communities is like, look within, like, look at your leadership, look who your teachers, like look at everything that's around you. And if you're not seeing the diversity that you're craving, like start to make a change there. Um, to try to make a yeah. difference, but I think everything you've nailed it with everything you've just said. Thank so I, you. I, go ahead, please. Oh, no, I was just saying, I mean, I think like we hear all these great examples and I, one thing that really hit me last night on the watch what happens live, um, was when, you know, both, um, W Kamal and Portia were saying, you know, 
white people use your voices, use your power, use your strength. And it's like, sometimes I feel like, oh, I'll, like I'm just little old me, but I, I think I can, I can do more and I'm stronger than, than what I realize. And part of that is, yes, I was born white and that is a, a privilege I recognize and I want to use that for a positive. So I wanted to ask both of you, uh, you know, being that you're not, you know, hundred percent white. I know Vanessa, you have a very diverse background and Mani being identifying as black. Like what can someone that's white do to truly be an ally and support um, other than voting and doing the things that Candy talked about? Are there other things that come to mind? Oh, uh, Mani, you go first. first. <laughs> okay. Oh, we both, okay, fine. I'll go first. Okay, I great. think um, my biggest thing and from my experiences, again, like, and I think it's just nipping situations in the butt when you see it. I think we've gotten to a place and I will speak for my interactions and I've been very fortunate enough to not have to um, have a lot of things that other black Americans deal with on a daily basis, but the racist interactions that I've had in my life, um, it's, it's funny the people around you are either silent or just don't address it. So I think addressing that behavior upfront, even your grandma's, <laughs> your grandmas that yeah. we blame on their era and you're like they're well they're old they're 90 like that's still not okay and I I think it's addressing that and uh, to me for myself um I think addressing it as soon as you see it is a great way to start I agree I think that and I want to take the mental health approach as well I, I love seeing um, allies in the streets with us at the protests and being so vocal in my DMs like listen I'm listening I'm learning I want to be educated my thing is you know we can't take the foot off the gas this is not a cruise control situation this is now a matter of literal life life and death and it has been going on for decades and if we would like to see it stop so that our kids have a legitimately safer world to play in and grow up in it cannot cease just past these couple of weeks of, you know, being muted and June 7th and everything like that until we have the next tragedy. It should not wait for tragedy. For me, check on your Black friends. And it means way more to say you have a Black friend than what we think it does. They are going through something watching their country that they built wage war on them. And I think that it is very important to fight the fight, but also make sure your friends are good. And if you do not have any, that is a soul searching moment. Maybe we should change that. But if you check on them and let them know, just like letting, I've had white friends tell me this week, I'm just what you know, I'm here for you. Like I'm, all, I'm, I'm, uh, they're like, I've always been about that life, girl. Like it's not about posting on Instagram. It's about being present and showing up in the moment and having those conversations with they're white family members because I always say I can't have Thanksgiving with these people. I'm not having Thanksgiving with the white cop that could decide my fate one day. I'm not. That is legitimately every single white friend I have has at least one cop in their family. Every single one. Because it's not an identity crisis for them of if they should be a cop or if they should not. And if they do it, is it to change the world and not be the system or are they trying to get into the fraternity of the good old boy network? It's not that debate to them. For them, it's a matter of serving the greater good. So have those conversations with us in the spaces that we can't reach. I think Portia said it best, like a white whisper is valued more than a black scream. And unfortunately that's true, but it's going to take allies to make that not true. So check on your friends, check in with your family, 
you know, just that they listen to you. It doesn't have to be a screaming match all the time, but just making sure that they hear a different perspective that they may not hear because their guard is let down when they're around you guys. They're not down when they're around us yelling at them, Mm -hmm. but we have a right to feel that way as well. So it's just a matter of making sure your people are good, you know, checking in with your family and making sure that your friends know that you want to be a part of the solution and that they have that ear, you, they have their, their, they have that ear in you to do so. Because for me, I was very nervous about some friends. I and I, it sucks that we have to feel that way. So closing that gap is, I think, going to make the world a better place and a more livable place for the kids that I teach, the kids that you have. Like that is, to me, my prime concern. If I never see it in my lifetime, that's fine. But as long as the kids that I'm teaching live a better, live in a better world, I'll be happy. Oh, I love that. And but I love too what you said though. Like I'm, you're like, I'm not at Thanksgiving with you at your, I mean, I'll be honest for me, it's, you know, my Thanksgiving table is everyone's white. Uh, that's like, sometimes it feels so overwhelming. Like, what can I do? I, you know, I don't have millions to donate and, mm-hmm. you know, for, maybe there's not any, a protest near me or, you know, for whatever reason you, you're not out there protesting, what can I do? And I think that's a great example just start with your inner circle. And if you can help change some minds, they're going to change the minds. And, and I think it's all in the way you approach it. I think sometimes with some people, it's like you bring up, no one wants to bring up race. Cause it's like, well, I don't want this to be an, an ugly conversation or someone yelling at someone. And it's like, I don't, I think for the most part, I mean, obviously racism exists. That's why we're seeing what we're seeing. But I think for me, I look at the people in my lives. I don't think anybody and their heart has hate for someone because they're another race. I think they're just, it's, they don't realize what they're saying is racist. And so keep that in mind when you're approaching people, you know, like I'm thinking about some white friends who might say something that's inappropriate. Like, don't say that's wrong. Just be like, you know, you might not realize it, but that's a racist statement because of X, Y, and Z. Like, I just think other, right. we, we need to be careful in how we're approaching it, but we, we need to approach it. Don't shy away. Yes. You gotta get comfortable with being uncomfortable and and that starts at home and I even uh, they tell you in college a lot to take they give you implicit bias tests and I think that many people should take implicit bias tests because even I had certain implicit biases simply because the media has told me to vilify my own people and so you want to be aware of what you can do differently. And, you know, and then it's little things like making sure that your police department also takes those implicit bias tests because believe it or not, they're not mandated to. So it's, their little changes make a a world of difference. So never feel overwhelmed that you can't do enough because there's always one thing that can be done and that helps. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say, I feel like, I feel like you've summed it up perfectly, Moni. I This has been a really great time just kind of listening and talking to you and having these conversations that we're all hopefully having at home. Is there anything else that you would want to share? Any other resources or things that you recommend if you want to continue to educate yourself where people should go? Yes, of course. I know there are plenty of resources and stuff that are being circulated. Watch What Happens Live did a great job at every commercial break, letting people know exactly where they can put their money towards. You can donate to Black Lives Matter, the ACLU, the NAACP, um, lots of different resources and stuff like that. And they're also all in um, all over the social media network. But I would really largely like to challenge everyone that ever listens to my voice to also find Black 
businesses. It is not enough that we circulate them only in February. It just simply isn't. And the what we're seeing is that no matter what, the dollar goes very, very far. And if you feel like you don't have a lot of money to donate to causes and you don't want the gas pedal to ever be, you know, released upon, donate or um, circulate your money through other cultures and other businesses as well. Learn those things, you know, participate in buying black with us because we do it to simply try to empower our own people against systemic racism and the oppressions that they face in trying to, you know, start their own businesses. There's a highlight on my Instagram page um, that is specifically just all black owned from beauty and makeup to food and books and everything in between. So it's simply just putting your money where your mouth is, honestly, or your money where your repost is. Really. <laughs> I love that. Well, thank you so much, Moni. Where can people find you? Moni is one of our favorites. Guys, if you aren't listening to Mixing with Moni, you need to, but please tell us where people can find you. Thank you so, so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak so freely with both of you and be heard and y'all listen and, you know, have so much important things to say back. Like this is such an important conversation. Could not imagine anybody better to do it with. Um, you can find me uh, anywhere you podcast and listen to this one, um, Mixing with Moni. And you can also find me on Instagram and Twitter at Mixing with Moni, M-I-X-I-N-G-W-I-T-H-M-A-N-I. We just want to thank Moni again for coming on. These conversations uh, might be, you know, hard to hear at times or even hard to have, but they're so important. I will say I was nervous going into it, but it was so comfortable. We love Moni. She's been on the show several times. And I, I, I loved that we had, you know, a, a wide range of, of people on here. I mean, all three of us have very different backgrounds and different experiences. And uh, it was, I think it was therapeutic to talk about it and share it. What did you think, V? Yeah. I mean, I think that's what makes America beautiful, right? Like we're all different and to have a conversation, to confront the realities of what's going on right now, I think is good. And it's a step towards progress and just listening to each other. It was, it's so great. We love Moni. Again, guys, if you're not following her, please give her a follow at Mixing with Moni. And give her a five-star review and just help like we talk about amplify black voices god her voice needs to be heard and so please if you're you've got two seconds give her a five star and leave a really great review and help her just get higher and higher on the chart she's so successful already but there's just so much um more that she can tell and um you know also be sure to follow us we're going to continue talking bravo but we're obviously going to continue talking about the things that are important to us we've always done that it just seems like now it's a little bit heavier um and we're i mean in some ways i think i'm looking forward to the future of bravo i think maybe it's just the internal optimist in me but i i feel like we're ahead of a lot of positive change for that network and with that we will talk to you soon you will fail So what? Everybody does. But your gym, your watch, your yoga pants, they pretend you won't. So when you miss a day, eat the pancakes. Give up on a workout? You failed? Seriously, what the hell? We're Body. We've been a part of that too, but not anymore. At Body, we're rejecting perfection and embracing reality. Not in a pizza Monday kind of way, in a loving your whole life kind of way. In a 
this workout is fun and it's okay if I take a week off kind of way. In an I'm eating healthy and it's okay if I indulge kind of way. In a I like myself no matter what kind of way. Yeah, you will fail. We all will. But we're not going to let that be the end. You see that? We're already making progress. So let's keep going. We are Body. Start your free trial at body.com. That's B-O-D-I dot com.